0: ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages welcome back to another episode of the madhouse podcast as always i am your host mad max today's episode we're going to be looking at season four of dark side of the ring uh this was a uh series it's on vice and everything like that if you don't know what it is definitely check it out Uh, i think all all four seasons are available now on uh, hulu if i'm not mistaken but um uh, episode four. I mean, season four uh, is basically ten episodes, and we're going to give and we're going to do a quick one through through all the episodes and everything like that, and into the world of professional wrestling, and of course, henceforth, the name, the dark stories from it. Uh, episode one is called Chris and Tammy. This is um, this is basically telling the story, the life and careers of both. Chris Candido and Tammy Lynn Sitch. Um, Tammy Lynn Sitch, you might, uh, for all you wrestling fans out there, might know her uh, in the early days of WWE. um, uh, From I think from '96 to about from late '96 to early '98, uh, she went by the name of Sonny, and she's revealed she's uh, also been referred to as WWE's first diva Um, and everything like that. To whereas Chris Candido. Uh, was a wrestler uh he was not necessarily a wrestler that a lot that too many people had heard of, but he is a wrestler that a lot of people who are die hard wrestling fans and fans of the independent promotions uh know very very well and things like that He was also a wrestler from the late nineties all the way up to about two thousand and five uh but this is just this is just them telling them stories about how this, I, I compare this one to the, to the Chris Benoit story. Benoit's story is kind of intertwined with the tragic story of uh, himself and then of course his good friend Eddie Guerrero, to where they're kind of intertwined together and everything like that. But then again, it's like one is One is one is glorified while the other one is vilified. It's the same thing here with Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch. Um, Chris Candido was a great in-ring performer. You know, he wasn't really the big, you know, husky wrestler that everybody thinks of. You know, he wasn't the stereotype. He wasn't the stereotypical six foot five. You know, two hundred and. You know 275 pounds or anything like that he was one of the smaller wrestlers on the scene and everything like that he was what you would call like a cruiserweight or a light heavyweight or something like that and um you mm-hmm. know he but he could go in the ring he would be he would be a perfect fit for today's modern wrestling when you got smaller guys like a daniel bryan or an aj styles or a finn mm-hmm. balor and everything like that you kind of get that way and everything else kind of falls into place because you're you're athletic enough to kind of carry the match and everything like that. But in the late 90s, if you didn't have that personality like a Steve Austin or The Rock or something like that, you really weren't going to get over it. You weren't edgy enough for something like that. Uh, Chris and Tammy's run, I look at it as, you know, it's tumultuous in all of the wrong ways because earlier on, Tammy's career soared. You know, because she was sunny and she was coming, on, she was coming along just as the, the WWE was entering the Attitude Era. To whereas Chris Candido kind of floundered, and kind of dropped over to the wayside, earlier on because you know they really didn't know what to do with him, and uh, before you know it, he was out of a job, and he unfortunately, went down the road of um, a small, you know small things started to happen through to you know whether it's drugs whether it's uh, financial difficulties and everything like that the struggle became real for someone like Chris Candido and everything like that and then once Tammy Lynn and or Sunny whatever whichever one you prefer once she kind of got out of the whole wrestling business um it it kind of swapped going into the 2000s Tammy had kind of not necessarily got out of it, but, you know, she wasn't with WWE anymore. And she would make appearances here and there for all these local promotions. But at the same time, she developed, she was starting to slowly develop a little bit of a drug problem and everything like that. Chris, on the other hand, actually got clean and was working independence here and there and uh, joined TNA, you know, in the late, in the mid 2000s and everything like that. And uh, he was part of a pretty good group. And unfortunately, uh, during a pay-per-view match uh, in TNA, uh, he broke his ankle. Um, This happened in Orlando, Florida, and he was actually supposed, rather than take the time off and being so committed to kind of being, finally getting his shot, finally being looked at as an actual wrestler, he decided that right after surgery he was going to get on a plane and fly to Chicago. And unfortunately for Chris... uh, That is a very, very dangerous thing to do. And unfortunately, it did cost him his life because shortly after, you know, he had the surgery, he had the cast put on. And I want to say maybe a few days after that, uh, or either it was within that week of him having surgery and things like that, he got on a plane and uh, flew to Chicago. And unfortunately, it was either the next day or uh, the next day or somewhere around the same time he got there. He developed a blood clot in his um, in his foot, which unfortunately led to um, his heart failing, and he did pass away in 2005. Um, and that was just something that was so tragic because you had this guy who was starting to get his starting to kind of get his shit together and start to get on that path of becoming a very successful professional wrestler, and then. You know, as of right now, Tammy Lynn Sitch is looking at facing, you know, a number of years in prison for uh, manslaughter DUI, and it's like, in the beginning, her career took off, his kind of floundered, and then later on in their life, his career his career started taking off and her career started floundering. It was more of a tragic, a tragic, uh, it was a tragic stories to say the least because he had. Both of these people, both of these young people, got got popular very, very fast, and their rise to the top was just incredible. And it, the, but as quickly as they got to the top, the quickly you know they uh, they fell. It was a fall from grace. Chris fell on some pretty hard times, and then once he started to get his shit together, um, you know his life was abruptly ended. Uh, but a lot of people say that his life was ended because of his dedication to the wrestling business his dedication him being such a fan and him being just such a you know uh, uh, wanting to uh, to be the wrestler that he knew he could be uh, it was what got to him. his own hubris is what led to his downfall and things like that and I have no reason to argue that because I mean when you're that committed to what you do and you you know you're willing to get on a plane right after having surgery um, you know, that, that says a lot about you. But at the same time, you're also ignoring, you know, doctor's orders. You're never supposed to do something like that. And then I also feel bad for Tammy because here was somebody who, whose last appearance in WWE was at the, uh, I think it was at WrestleMania when they had the, the WrestleMania battle royal for the females. And, you know, she was kind of a blink and you miss it moment. But her fall from grace really, really was just, it was more sad than anything. You know, to go from somebody who, you know, was almost on top of the world at the time to go to somebody who's now, you know, who cannot get, a for some reason, cannot get control of her own life. And now, unfortunately, she's, you know, about to do time and everything like that. And, you know, it's not looking so good for her. And then I think at the end of the episode on Dark Side of the Ring, they said, you know, Tammy Lynn refused to comment or refused to, take part in this you know for legal reasons and everything like that they have audio they have audio of her talking of being interviews about the stuff that was going on with her and chris and then of course you know them getting around to when chris passed away and everything like that but nothing official like the talking heads in the episode in this episode in particular were uh jim Cornette, uh tom pritchard uh lance storm and you know a guy and i think some of chris's family you know, that was, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, we don't really get to see Tammy's side of the story and everything like that, but given her current condition and everything like that, you're not ever going, you're probably never going to get that, so that was really, really uh, sad and unfortunate for two stars who, whose, you know, light was burned out too too quickly, uh, but anyways, next episode is episode two, it's uh, Shattered, the Magnum TA story, to be honest, I had no idea who Magnum TA was. Um, I heard the name. I know he was an older guy who wrestled for WCW or not WCW, but Jim Crockett promotions who, who really was the WCW of the eighties and everything like that. And unfortunately he was another guy who's, whose career was kind of cut short and, uh, things like that. But Magnum TA had a lot of things going for him at that time. You know, he, he was a guy who they looked at could be the next kind of like Ric Flair as this, the wrestling business was going from the, the late 80s going into the 90s and everything like that. So it was something something special that this guy was going to be the next one to kind of be the next top guy, you know, like another Lex Luger or another Sting and everything like that. But unfortunately, um, a car accident kind of changed all that. A car accident really was what, uh, I don't want to say did him in, but even because Magnum is still alive, so Magnum really, Magnum T.A. is still alive, and his story is, you know, it, it's it's one of the very few instances where the story that is being told, there's somebody there with the first-hand accountability. You know, with, like, the Road Warriors, Animals still alive, Paul Ellering is still alive, but, you know, it was a few years later that, it was a few months later that, you know, animal passed away and everything like that. Same thing with like New Jack. You know, New Jack's episode he was still alive and everything like that, but unfortunately he passed away. And then um uh with Magnum Magnum is still alive to this day. You know, he was there, he's interviewed and everything like that and this was something interesting and kind of very tragic in this in this instance because you know you got a guy who was on the verge of becoming the next great star, next big star in professional wrestling, and then it was cut short because of a bad car accident and everything like that. I think something about it severed his spine, and I think he's I think from now he's uh, uh, he's not paralyzed, but he's his wrestling career was over after that and he never wrestled again after that. Um, He still makes the appearances at the comic book conventions and everything like that when wrestlers are all brought together. He's still around there and everything like that and, um, you know, it's kind of cool to see him in such good spirits because I know a lot of guys are, they're shaken by that. They're shaken by the fact that they can't, you know, do the things, especially guys who never, who were so close to getting to the top, you know, it does kind of suck in a lot of ways. And, uh, but the good thing is he's still alive. He's still in good health. He's still in good spirits and everything like that. So, you know, that's always the good takeaway from an episode like this. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily going to go. Hopefully, you know, Magnum has, you know, and look, can look back at his career and say, you know, he was one of the greats. Uh, next episode is episode three, breaking the cycle the Graham dynasty. Now, uh, The Graham Dynasty. I had no idea who these guys were. Uh, It had it it centers around, or it starts with the the Dynasty Boys. You know these guys. You know Billy Dynasty, Bill Dynasty, Bill Billy Graham, who was um, who is the youngest in this group and everything like that. This basically, well, it starts with Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham, who was a big time promoter and wrestler in the early pioneer days of like the '40s and '40s and '50s, and well, not even maybe like the '50s and '60s, and things like that, and then became a promoter uh, uh, for uh, for the territories of the time and everything like that, and uh, unfortunately, you know, he tried to become a promoter during the '80s, during the booming period when. Vince McMahon and then Jim Crockett were expanding to a national basis, you know, the territory system was slowly fading away and everything like that. So here he was, you know, kind of looked at as a business failure and I think that kind of hurt his ego as well as mess with him mentally. And unfortunately he committed suicide, uh, I think it was in the eighties, I believe. I can't remember when, but he does commit suicide and everything like that and it does take a toll on the family. Because I think it was almost twenty years later, in the two thousands, uh, that his he has a son named Mike. Mike Graham has a uh, had him had him son had himself a son. Um, I think it was. I keep thinking I want to say Billy Graham, but that's some somebody completely different. But unfortunately, the grandson committed suicide sometime in the 2000s, and then in 2011, Mike Graham, the son of Eddie Graham, and the father of the the Graham who committed suicide, also did the same thing, it's like all three of these guys took their own life, and I don't know if it was, be, you know, Eddie Graham's thing was, you know, a lot of people felt that he became a, a bad alcoholic, you know, he drank a lot, even in his wrestling days, but, you know, it kind of got worse, you know, as he got older and as he became more of a businessman and things like that. Mike Graham, on the other hand, was a little bit different. He struggled with, you know, more of like a depression and, you know, mental health and everything like that. But, uh, you know, this this was more of a cautionary tale, you know, for those people who don't really know how to deal or or don't know how to cope with, you know, the loss of a loved one or things like that. And it was really just sad that Eddie Graham was a great promoter and great wrestler, you know, took his own life. And then not only that, but his son and grandson would follow suit, you know, in the decades following that. And this was more of like a cautionary tale and rather than an episode and everything like that. And I was very surprised that they went this route. And um, I mean, it is what it is. I, To be honest, I never knew who I knew who I've heard the name Eddie Graham. I didn't really know who Mike Graham was. Uh when I watched this documentary on, on WWE Network, it was the the rise and fall of the WCW. It featured guys like Magnum T. A. and Mike Graham and everything like that, but I didn't really know who they were. Ooh. Next episode is the um what happened to Doink the Clown. And this one's an interesting episode because I had no idea that different guys had were were the clown and Matt Bourne, who was the first, the original Doink the Clown and everything like that, um, was the one who kind of came up with the idea. At first, it was more silly and comical and everything like that, but as years, as time went on and as the years went by, he started changing the character uh, very much to be more of like Krusty the Clown from The Simpsons, a darker, evil clown. They didn't want him to go like full fucking Pennywise, but... Um, you know something like a long crusty the crown just a, a foul mouth crown not a foul mouth clown you know rather than anything else and things like that and it was something that Matt Bourne was really really kind of excited for but unfortunately for for Matt his uh his outside demons kind of got the best of him you know he struggled with drugs he struggled with a lot of things uh outside of the ring and everything like that and before you know it Vince McMahon decided that, you know, this is a clown. Nobody cares who... He's doinked The clown. You could put anybody in that suit and people would buy it. But And unfortunately for Matt Bourne, that is exactly what happened. You know, because he couldn't get in control of his... Because he couldn't get in control of the demons he had or get his shit together or do something that... For, you know, for everybody to kind of benefit him or make him the, the one to see and the one to... Like, to build the attraction around him, you know he couldn't do it and unfortunately that led to his releasing you know not that long after doink was introduced and everything like that so he didn't really get a chance to do a whole lot of the doink stuff and even when it did when it was time to make that transition um he he saw a little bit of the action before he was out of the company uh completely and everything like that so this was something that kind of took me by surprise because i had no idea that the character of doink the clown was inhabited by you know, so many different people over the years, and also that, you know, he actually had an idea. The guy who started it all with Doink the Clown actually had an idea to take it, you know, and, for, and keep pushing it to, you know, to make a career out of it. But because of his, um, you know, but because of his bad habits outside of the ring, it didn't go nowhere. It didn't go the way he wanted it to. And then, unfortunately, you know, Matt Bourne is no longer with us, and uh, it was very sad to kind of see that and everything like that but I don't even think the WWE even acknowledged it because um, you know because like I said Doink the Clown was was inhabited by other people so there's not really a clear cut person you can pinpoint and say he's Doink the Clown and everything like that Uh, it's unfortunate it's also kind of like like I said like a cautionary tale like you gotta you gotta be able to you know do things and you gotta be able to you know get better get clean get all this stuff take care of yourself especially in this line of work and everything like that you know his career could have been something completely different had he just kind of stuck to his own kind of just stuck to this uh to the whole the idea of just being uh doing the clown and everything like that but you know unfortunately you know his his out of the ring tactics and antics and things like that didn't really get him nowhere so it ended up being more so a uh a flash in the pan and things like that, rather than it being like a career. Uh, next up is the Junkyard Dog, Jay Waggy. You know, he, this was another popular wrestler in the 80s and everything like that, but um, this was a guy who was popular throughout the South for a long time, in the Mid-South with Bill Watts and everything like that, and um, Houston Wrestling, of course, he was popular here, uh, and then, you know, went up to work with Vince, but unfortunately... Uh, where the darkness, dark side of the ring really kind of comes out in the junkyard dog is the fact that because he wanted to be the biggest star he could possibly be and he knew that he couldn't get any bigger just working independence all those years he decided to take his talents up north and you know work for vince and you know a lot of people say had that impression that you know Junkyard Dog is a is a hell of an athlete, a good wrestler, a good entertainer, and things like that. He could be he could be a top guy, but he won't be Vince McMahon's top guy. You know, he won't be bigger than Hulk Hogan and everything like that. And unfortunately, JYD's run in WWE was is not necessarily that long. It was a few years to kind of say the least and everything like that. But at the same time, um at the same time, I don't think he did himself any favors, you know, kind of having that mindset and kind of having the idea that he was bigger than certain guys that are already there. I just think that... um I just think that... JYD got popular off his own merit and he was able to do things that he wanted to do and he was able to get popular off the things that he was doing for a number of years. But, you know, once he went up north, there was a whole different landscape. I know a lot of wrestling experts have always said... The southern, the south style of wrestling is much different than the, the north side because in the north, everybody except for Canada, it was the big showmen, the big muscular guys, you know, who would wrestle with the smaller guy and everything like that. To whereas the guys down south, it was more of an in ring wrestling program than sports entertainment. So, JYD did fit the mold for certain things like that, but at the same time, you know he couldn't get up. He he was gonna have to understand and find out the hard way that he was only gonna be able to stay in. Um, he was only gonna be able to stay in that top spot in certain places for a little while. Then when he tried to invade the another market and everything like that, it's. I don't want to say it's gonna go up in smoke, but I I will say that it does kind of have that you know fall from grace so to speak and. You know, he had kids at the same time, and then developed a little bit of a drug habit. You know, as his career kind of winded down, and unfortunately, JYD is no longer with us. And um, this was something. This was an interesting story because you didn't know there are a lot of things that they talked about that you know not too many people knew about, and everything like that. Especially like his, you know, struggling to to adjust to regular life after his wrestling career had uh, pretty much ended in the late nineties. So that's unfortunate. Next episode, we have The Tragic Fall of Adrian Adonis. Now, this episode, in my opinion, was probably my least favorite or my least in- interesting about it because I really didn't know who Adrian Adonis was. Uh, I, I know he passed... He was murdered or... I don't know if he was murdered, but he was killed in a car accident uh, in the 80s, in the 85, 86 time frame and everything like that. And I really didn't have a whole lot of about this episode that was really intriguing to me because, to be honest, I, I rarely like I said, I didn't even know who he was, so, uh, this was kind of tragic as well, he had a guy who was on the, the same thing like Magnum, on the verge of a, on the verge of becoming, you know, one of the great stars of the WWE at the time, and then, one bad car accident, you know, ended it all. Unfortunately, for Adrian Adonis, it took his life, you know, he's not confined to a wheelchair, or barely walking like a Magnum TA, or things like that, you know, he's, he's no longer with us and that sucks all the way around uh but next episode is episode seven abdullah the butcher legacy of blood this one is very very kind of uh all over the place because you really don't know a lot of they give you a little bit of backstory on abdullah the butcher you get a little bit of his backstory in the bruiser brody episode but because that's one of that is probably his greatest rival the Brutus Brody, Bruiser Brody, and Abdullah Abdullah the Butcher, and everything like that. This was something that was kind of a long time coming, but at the same time, it was like, you know, eventually these guys are going to have to get in the ring, and then when, when Bruiser died in 86, I believe it was, Abdullah's career never really took off. I mean, he is forever known for being this animalistic wrestler, you know, just violent, you know, bleeding buckets and everything like that. And um, there was a time in the 2000s when he was working with one of these independent guys who was about to sign his uh, WWE contract, and then mysteriously this guy, this wrestler that he had been working with, I can't remember the name, but he contracts Hepatitis C. And, you know, there's the rumors were going around that Abdullah had it, Abdullah was the one who had hepatitis C and everything like that, and uh he was probably the one who gave it to him because you know, much like you know combat sports, you know blood gets everywhere, blood gets on people, and um you know unfortunately, it led to him no longer having a career in the world of professional wrestling, but Abdullah's career kind of took off, and uh Abdullah was kind of kind of sad, you know he was motivated by the fact that. To the fact that, you know, his mother had to do a whole lot, you know, just to take care of the kids and everything like that. And he didn't want to ever see nobody do that. And then the idea that he never went to school after dropping out of school at the age of like six or seven, not learning how to read or, you know, write or anything like that is very unfortunate. And I was like, I don't even know if that's true. That sounds like something made up. But, you know, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that Abdullah is not doing. And, you know, to hear that he's going through financial troubles and things like that is just very heartbreaking for a guy that meant so much to the wrestling business and the and had a a little bit of notoriety around him and everything like that. It's really just unfortunate to see where he's at now. You know, barely walking and barely doing any type of movement or anything like that, but I mean, it's hard to get it's hard to root for the guy when you know he's you know ruined a lot of people's careers, you know, over the years and everything like that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this episode was kind of sad. You know, the fact that he really didn't have anybody kind of looking out for him ever really until like towards the end of, towards the towards the point of no return where he's at now. And, um, you know, it is what it is. I don't think Vince McMahon is going to induct him into Hall of Fame, but, you know, we'll see what happens from here on out. Um, the next episode... Next episode is Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the East. You know, this was a guy who, story about a guy from New Jersey and everything like that who was probably one of the best big men to ever, you know, step into a ring and everything like that. And, you know, Bam Bam was that guy. Bam Bam was a big guy who, um, who could move like a, like a lightweight. You know, he moved quicker, faster. You know, worked worked out harder just as much as anybody did, and had himself a fabulous career, but never really made it to the top for some reason. You know, they brought him into the WWE like in the 80s, and you know he could never be on the same level as um, as Hulk Hogan or anything like that. And you know he had a a decent run in WCW, he had a decent run in ECW, and uh, he really kind of took care of his own, and he really was looking out for family and everything like that, but like a lot of guys do at that time, like a lot of guys from that generation, what they do, they develop, you know, that drug habit gets the best of us. That drug habit just, it latches onto you and it it is a hell of a, it is a hell of a, a bug to shake. You know, a lot of guys don't want to shake it. A lot of guys don't think they have a problem. You know, if you look at a guy like a, you know, uh, like a uh, a Brian Pillman or a um, or a Chris Benoit, or even a Chris Candido, even something as recent as Kurt Angle, you know these guys don't think they have a problem because they're doing what they love. But at the same time, Bam Bam's whole thing was being motivated. You know, he had a he had to be the breadwinner. He had to be the one taking care of everything in and outside of the ring, whether it came at a cost of his own body, whether it came at a cost of whatever. But you know, once that drug problem kind of kicked in and once that drug problem, you know, got out of hand, you know, he he lost everything. Everything that meant something to him was gone. Lost his wife, lost the kids, you know, almost killed his daughter because he passes out while driving. And um, this is just more of a, of a cautionary tale about, you know, the stuff that happens in the ring and the stuff that can or, you know, can or can't happen once wrestling is over and everything like that. And I don't think that... Bam Bam was able to find, was ever able to find that little niche that he needed to be successful in the long run. And everything like that. And that was kind of a little bit more of a tragic story than it was a, um, than it was a, uh, you know, like a, a comeuppance or anything like that. Uh, but next episode we have is Bash at the Beach 2000. This is an infamous moment. Like, they haven't done an angle one, like an angle story of Dark Side of the Ring since the Montreal Screwjob and I think that was the very first episode or it might have been the last episode of season one and everything like that that's that to me that was this was kind of refreshing because it's not very often that we see wrestling uh, storylines picked up the way Vice did this one so now so WCW's Bash at the Beach was it was in 2000 the main event was was originally supposed to be This match for the WCW World Heavyweight title between Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett and everything like that. Now, what's interesting about this episode is like it's a lot of he said, she said. I don't even think Hulk Hogan was interviewed for this one because of his commitments to WWE and then them letting him back in. But, um, yeah, this little rivalry between... uh, Everybody in WCW and their new head of creative, which was Vince Russo, it wasn't going so well, especially in 2000. I mean, they were just kind of pulling every hat out of a hat hat just to kind of make something happen. And it didn't work half the time. They put the world title on David Arquette, a fucking actor. I was like, really? You take your world championship and you put it on somebody who doesn't even wrestle, who's not going to be here you know, when when the story starts to develop or at the live events or, you know, he's not going to be there, but yet they put the world title on him. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I think the issue with this whole thing is the fact that Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff could not get on the same page about how they wanted to do this. Now, you could sit there and argue that, you know, Hulk Hogan played his creative control card, which nine times out of 10, he did. Or, you know, whatever you want to say about it. But at the same time, he was asked to drop the belt to Jeff Jarrett, and he refused. Because Hulk Hogan is like 6'4", 6'5", 260 pounds. To whereas Jeff Jarrett is like 5'10", 5'11", 200 pounds. And everything like that. So why would Hogan lose to a guy that small? And, uh, you know, it is what it is. What was originally supposed to happen was that Jeff Jarrett was supposed to go over on Hulk Hogan... Hulk Hogan said, fuck that, I'm not doing it. So the angle goes out, and when the bell rings, and right before they were about to tie up, Jarrett lays on the floor and just does nothing, and he waits for Hogan to pin him. And Hogan pins him very begrudgingly, and Russo is so mad that he throws the belt right at Hulk Hogan's feet with no other options and everything like that. That's, that's where the story kind of gets a little bit uncomfortable because you don't know who's right and you don't know who's wrong. You just know that you know these these guys do not know how to run a wrestling show really at all and it was kind of tragic and which is why unfortunately wcw would go out of business uh the a year after the this event took place batch at the beach 2000 so you know it is what it is and wcw did have its bright moments but you know unfortunately they all went up in smoke because of bad business behind the scenes uh, but moving on to the last episode, the world according to Marty Janetti. I, if you don't know who Marty Marty Janetti is, he is one half of the illustrious tag team known as the Rockers or the Midnight Rockers, if you want to get technical about it, and everything like that. So, Mar the tag team was Marty Janetti and Shawn Michaels, and they made up the team and everything like that, and they were running shows and you know doing all this stuff. They're the only team in history who were legitimately great but never won the tag team championships. And when they did, you know, Vince McMahon didn't want to air the match because during the match the top rope breaks, you know, so it's like, "Damn, what are we going to do?" So they kind of just, you know, did their own thing and and I don't want to say it was a bad thing to say the least, but all I'm saying is that everything that happens with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty it just goes to show you that these guys were meant to do something great. You know, these guys were supposed to be these long-term performers and everything like that. You know, eventually Shawn Michaels would be the one to have the the Hall of Fame career and everything like that. To whereas somebody like Marty Jannetty is just kind of like a flesh in the pan. And looking at him now, him kind of being confined to a wheelchair with a bad fucking foot that looks like it's got its own heartbeat and everything like that. It just looked bad. My takeaway from this was just, you don't know whether or not Marty is telling the truth. You know, you got, he's telling stories about murder, about all this other stuff, and nobody really knows if it's true. And the fact that he kind of goes back and forth about it, like nothing happened, no matter how serious it was, it's hard to believe it. The biggest takeaway I have from an episode like this is that, you know, this is like, the the ramblings of a madman you know be careful who you talk to or be careful who you share your intimate secrets with because when it all comes out or when it all does something like this you know but at the same time if you got a guy like marty genetti telling you that there's a dead body behind the dumpster he needs help and get there and there's nothing there it's like dude come on why are we here why why bother to listen to what he has to say if you know he tends to ramble off so many times and it's like This episode was kind of depressing because you had a guy in Shawn Michaels who's a Hall of Famer, who's helping Triple H run NXT, who's doing all this other stuff in wrestling, to whereas Marty Jannetty is struggling just to make sure his foot doesn't get amputated or something like that. I mean, the guy is just kind of all over the place and doesn't really know where he fits in. But at the same time, he was never going to be able to shake that drug and alcohol bug that he Got after WCW had closed and after a lot of things that happened in his life. Marty Jannetty is a great wrestler. The problem is he let the drugs and everything kind of take over his mind and everything like that. And it is really unfortunate. The fact that he, you know, he basically becomes a footnote in Shawn Michaels' discussion work. So, you know, it is what it is. And I do feel bad for a lot of the people. Other times I just don't care really at all and everything like that. So... You know, it is what it is. People can do things. People change over time and drugs and alcohol is a hell of a mixture. And it's something that I wish everybody would stop, you know, but at the same time, you know, who am I to judge somebody, you know, to kind of want to be for taking care of their body and wanting to be able to, you know, inflict pain or be the ones to kind of just be like, nah, I can't do this anymore. But yet, With all that stuff that comes in the wrestling business, a lot of people still consider it fake. And it's like, dude, when are we going to get our respect of being, I don't want to say like an actual sport, but more than just something that's scripted. I don't understand. But uh, who knows what the future brings for Dark Side of the Rings. These stories are just kind of all over the place. You know, they range from a lot. And I would like to see one, if you're going to do a character study. But my whole thing has always been with these episodes, you have to do something different. You can do a wrestler who's passed away. You can do a wrestler who's still here. You can do a tag team. You can do a lot of things uh, with this type of channel, with this type of airway and everything like that. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the future as far as Dark Side of the Ring is concerned because this, this season was not that bad. I was really intrigued by a lot of the episodes and everything like that, except for the, uh, like the Adrian Adonis one was, I don't want to say whack, it was, you know, it was good television and everything like that. It's just, you know, it's not something I think of when I think of uh, what's been going on with uh, with Dark Side of the Ring. Because you got all kinds of stories coming out. They talk about wrestlers who were gone, not here or here and not really, you know, full minded and everything like that. I would like to see some more Dark Side of the Ring stories. I'm just not sure which ones in particular I think one about the late, great Scott Hall would be good and everything like that, so I'm not, eh, like I said, I'm not sure how to end this. I'm not sure where we're going to go from here, but as far as season four of Dark Side of the Ring is concerned, it is pretty good. It's got a few dry moments in there, but it is pretty good. If you're a fan of these uh, of these episodes, definitely check out Dark Side of the Ring. I know for a fact that it's on Hulu because that's where I watched season four, so uh, but anyways, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. If you like the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google play, Odyssey, Reddit, wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter, the madhouse 21. Uh, let me know what you guys thought about the fourth season of dark side of the ring. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Whatever the case may be. Let me know Instagram and Twitter, the madhouse 21. Be on to look out for more episodes as they come out. We do got some stuff coming out this weekend, but, you know, the time is going to be a little bit different. It is my birthday weekend, so you guys going to have to bear with me here. Uh, so, if there's nothing released, I didn't get a chance to record anything. If there is, hey, more power to you and everything like that. But as of right now... Um, If I do make an episode and probably won't get it out to maybe Saturday or Sunday possibly, depending on how this weekend goes, the plans have changed, so we'll see what happens. But uh, be on the lookout for anything and everything that comes out of this podcast. And of course, as always, guys, be sure to embrace your inner madness.